welcome to Appetite for Production, the world's premier music technology podcast, hosted by two music journalist cucks, music tech journalist cucks, I should say, Tim Kant and James Russell. Hey, James, how's it going? It's going all right. How are you? I am well, thank you. How are your body, mind and spirit? Uh, fraught. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you got to be on the edge and stay hungry, mate. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, this is only going to push me further, I guess, towards, <laughs> towards the edge. Yeah, I've been edging myself for a while now. So yeah, and I highly recommend it. So, what have you been up to over the last couple of weeks? Um, I did. It's 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 going to be the same answer as before, almost exactly, but with slight, slightly interchanged bits. I've done some more Native Instruments video stuff. Uh huh. And um, very I had, interesting. Yeah, I know it's really Please interesting. Do go on. I know. Yeah, I know it's really really boring. Um, and I made the same mistake I made in one of the Native Instruments videos that I made with the tune that I was making a few weeks ago I was telling you about where I ended up choosing the wrong kick drum sound with no bass in it Mm. Um, and I ended up having to before the end of making the video having to like rethink some stuff basically rethink my life so yeah it seems like I've really got a problem with uh, my kick drum choices and that's something that I'm really going to focus on over the next six to 18 months how about you buddy well yeah you, you really need to buck up your ideas I really do like the thing is I am I'm constantly evangelizing people's life choices and kick drum choices specifically so yeah I really need to get that shit together for myself so what have I been doing yeah, I've, what have you been doing buddy I've been doing a surprisingly a lot of things a lot, oh, really? a lot of things, Tim. Because you um, are notoriously slovenly. Yeah, yeah. But over the last couple of weeks, I've just suddenly entered some kind of burst of productivity, creative productivity. Oh, wow. So Shit. One of the things I started doing is uh, I started working on a track that I've been working on on and off for... I really don't know how long, but it feels like a yes. long time. Yeah, let me let me see if I can pull up... Uh, the last version, the earliest version I have is version 1.8. Mm-hmm. I've been going from 1.0 onwards, and that was um, that was December 2017. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, couple, couple of, well, a year and a bit. Let me see if I've got any files in this lot that are even older than that. Do you want to tell us a little, a little bit about this project? I'm going to be mostly tight-lipped about the project for now, but okay. basically I'd, I'd gone through like work on it for two weeks, leave it for six months, work on it for two weeks, leave it for six months, kind of cycle. And yeah. um, I th- this has been one of the two weeks. So I've sort of got it to a point where it's, it's towards the end. I think <gasps> like the arrangement is done. I haven't mixed it. I've done a basic mix. And uh, I was thinking, I decided to export it as is and uh, <gasps> give you a listen to what? it. No way! Uh, I'm I'm not usually one show work in progress, but since the whole arrangement is basically done, okay, I and it's just the mixing, and I want you to really critique my sound design choices as well because there's like I think maybe the drums need overhauling, but I would think that, and yeah, there's there's stuff to be done, but if you want to listen to it, you can listen to it. Okay, so now I'm going to take a listen to James's work in progress. Uh, dream sequence, dream sequence, wobbliness, wobbliness. 
Okay, I've listened to James's music. Uh, do you want to know my thoughts, James? Uh, how, how does it feel? To Actually, well, have... first, let's have your thoughts because you you, oh, man. you said you composed that on headphones, yeah? Yeah, pretty much headphones throughout. I have I have had some periods of listening to it through proper speakers. And so, and so, what is it? What is your takeaway from listening to it on my luxurious home setup? Uh, there's some rebalancing needed. Um, mm-hmm. I also on your luxurious home setup, I felt it was too slow. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, if you don't, then I'm very happy. Uh, what do you mean slow? Like literally just like tempo-wise? Yeah, just tempo-wise. Oh, I didn't... That didn't make me think of that oh, great. at all. But, well, that's you fine. Know. That's fine. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm second-guessing myself, basically. Well, th- this, is a, this is a danger for the artist, mate. So, yeah, no, what totally. It, what does it feel like to listen to uh, one of my private stash that very rarely get... Uh, Get I, to go in anyone's ears. I feel honoured, mate. Do you want to? Do you want to know my hot takes on it? I do. Um, it reminded me of um, public service broadcasting. Of course, um, it did. Mixed with uh, Godspeed, you Black Emperor. What about that? <laughs> uh, I do not know any Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Well, you should probably have a listen to it, mate, because I think it might be up your alley. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was the, the the thing that I I focused on predominantly, apart from. Being very interesting very good um was it was the drum mix uh-huh. um now the thing is it depends really what you're going for um i mean what sort of what how 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 did you sort of like intend the drums to like to sit because they sounded a bit like they were kind of like back in the mix mm. especially like the sort of the snare sounded kind of like roomy but also okay. kind of subdued like especially compared to the open hat, which sounded quite panned, yeah, and I've, more um, and more like to the front of the mix. It is a good point. Okay, so originally I wanted it to be a very Tom heavy mix, which uh, okay. is not usual. Uh, but then I did so much variation on the drums themselves that they, a lot of the crucial bits there aren't as many toms in it. So mm. it feels like the Tom heavy bits are at strange places compared to what they should be. The only sort of drum. Uh, rompler I have is Native Instruments Studio Drummer which isn't quite the most modern sound um, okay and I was sort of stuck with that from the start but it probably needs to be piped through something else yeah I mean it sounds like you take a very kind of like considered sort of almost scientific approach to your mixing there uh, well none of this has been mixing that's the thing but just like in terms of like um, you know I don't like so you were saying like for example with the studio drums you'd whack the gain up um mm. and that still wasn't giving you what you need whereas I just think of I'm you know going to smash the hell out of everything with you know uh-huh. a utility plugin to whack up the gain and compress it and clip it yeah, or whatever and there all was that sort of stuff. there was a time in that project's history where I had all the individual drum tracks coming out as tracks in the door Mm. But then I just replaced it recently and it's just back in the plugin itself again. So I've just got the onboard contact mixer to mess with. Mm. So haven't, I, I think I went too far with the individual mix channels for the drums. And so I just reined it back in and went a bit more default so I could finish the actual building of the track. That seems like a sensible idea. Because <laughs> you need to have that finished before you, like, I will probably commit this to audio soon mm-hmm. and then mix the individual drums exactly do actual mixing on it and uh i think this is nearly ready to be committed to audio but yeah i think the kicks snare and hats that's one of the things i really wanted your opinion on Mm, mm. yeah yeah um i mean it's 
it's interesting because the thing is because I am I'm focused a lot on dance music and rhythm and stuff and everything. Um, for me, it was the it was the open hat became a real sort of focal point for the mix, uh-huh. just because that's the sort of thing that I obsess about. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I also found it interesting how it started out. Like I was really surprised that it started out so melodically simple. Like it's like you know for the first minute and a bit <clears throat> or whatever. It's just one note, basically, or whatever. But then it developed and everything. And I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I see. You know, I, this this makes me... I imagine this is more what James would be into or whatever. But that's really interesting, James. I find you get a little bit of an insight into somebody's uh, inner workings from listening to their music. Yeah. So I feel like I know you a little better now. <laughs> oh, well, that's... Uh... Try not to uh, try not to send me any hate mail. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, so what's your next stage with this uh, project? Then, what are you gonna? What are you gonna um, do? I want you to critique bits of it, and then I'll know what to do. Uh, and once I've redesigned any sound that needs to be redesigned, mm. um, it's then I'm gonna commit it to audio mm-hmm. every track. Then I'm gonna crucial thing here. I'm gonna put it in a different door. <gasps> And start mixing it, mixing it from that other other door because. So you like that whole separation of church and state with your mixing <clears> slash <throat> uh, composition slash mastering, yeah, I, sort I, of thing. I don't want to be tempted to go back and make any fundamental changes. I want to, I want to commit to audio. I love temptation, mate. <laughs> what, what door, so what door did you make it in, and what door are you going to mix it in? Uh, I've been making it for however many years in Studio One, and what am I going to mix it in? Oh, I don't know. Waveform? Maybe try it in waveform. I don't think I would try mixing it in live because live is a pain for managing plugins. How dare you say that? <laughs> Well, you've got to click on a track, then make sure you've got its plugin pane selected, then click on the plugin you want rather than having it all laid out in the mixer for you. What are you talking about? Well, I don't if, understand. If you're, let's say you're using Cubase. You've Let's got, say you're using You've Cubase. got your mixer and you can see all the plugins of all the channels and so you just need to double click one and bring it up. Oh, God. Do you know what? I never thought about that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But if you're working in live, you've got your mix channels, but then you have to make sure you click the right yeah, channel. Yeah, yeah, you do. If it's if it's gone on the waveform editing mode or whatever, yeah. you then have to click over to the plugins and then find the right plugin. That's It's slow. That's crazy, buddy. And I never even would have thought of that. A bit less rooting until 10.1 comes out as well. Yes, so I guess so. That's, that's one good reason to mix it in a different door for me. Okay, cool. Mm. This has been very interesting. Do you think it's going to have been interesting for our listeners? Bearing in mind they won't have heard the actual <laughs> I think it's. I think it's still kind of interesting. Well, it makes yeah. it all the more mysterious when you eventually put it online or whatever you're going to do with it. Yeah, sorry, no one's going to hear it except for Tim. <laughs> well, I'm a special. I'm a special boy. Yeah. So that is my, you know, my rewards or whatever. I think it's still nice to have a chat about it though. Isn't I'm, it? I'm mostly glad that you didn't think it was too slow. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, it really um, put me in a mind of kind of uh, like a song that you might get on a late 90s NME CD giveaway. Do you know what I mean, mate? <laughs> well, that, that sort of vibe. That makes me, uh, that makes me proud. It should, mate, because that was the only thing about the NME I didn't hate. So, late uh, 90s NME CD giveaway. I'll put that, I'll make sure. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Make we, sure I put that as a quote. Blinding. So, Tim. Yeah. So, everybody. Hey, everybody. So, listen to me now. 
This is a special episode, sort of. This could be the start of a new era in this podcast. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to build it up. <laughs> yeah, wow, okay. <laughs> Setting ourselves up for a big fall here, but never mind. We've been doing this for just over a year now, and so we want to try and step things up a bit. Here's the idea. We've got two new things that are happening in this episode, and crucially, we want to know what you think about these two new things. Do you like what we're doing or do you not like what we're doing? And those two new things are, one, we have an interview in this episode. Mm-hmm. Two, we have a giveaway in this episode. Mm-hmm. Now, me and Tim, we have a lot of uh, contacts with software developers. And uh, a lot of those software developers are very nice people. And we thought... It would be silly not to leverage our contacts with software developers in order to get you, the listeners, some free swag. Mm. So we're going to run a giveaway. Details forthcoming. And the other thing is the interview. Tell us about today's interview, Timothy. Well, mate, it's going to be with uh, Break, the lauded drum and bass producer. So a little bit of a coup for us. That's right. So Tim is going to be talking to Break a little later. In this exclusive interview, you get the chance to hear Break leaning over in his studio. I'm just trying to lean over. Let me lean over and see which one it is. Yeah, the, the M447. Breaks thoughts on where the crabs will soon take over the world and dominate the human race. That does seem to be like a rumour that I remember hearing. And Breaks' opinion on whether listening to this podcast will enhance your sexual performance. I'm not, I'm not totally sold on that. All that coming up later. I've been doing some more stuff in my massive creative uh, burst. What the hell is going on with you, James? Yeah, I know, man. Are you on drugs? <laughs> it's okay if you are. Just tell me where I can get some. I had an idea suddenly the other day. No, you didn't, you liar. What happened? Hopefully, you will be aware of the song Paranoid Android. What's by Radiohead? Yes. Yes. I know Radiohead, not personally. You better. Okay, so here's the idea I had. And I was wondering whether to uh, let this idea out of the bag on the podcast, but I don't think anyone's going to copy me and do it before I get a chance to do it. No. Idea. Take a memo, Gene. <laughs> I get my pen and pad out. I do a mashup of many, many Paranoid Android covers. Okay. So I looked on Spotify. There are like about a hundred different covers of the same song. And I want to do a mashup of them. Obviously not of a hundred of them, but interesting concept, right? Um, I'll hold my judgment on that. So what is the, what is the idea behind the idea? Uh, I don't know. It just came to me. Okay, okay. I was like, okay. So instead of like doing a version of the song, you could, or doing a remix of the song. Like a meta version. You could do a meta remix, meta mashup. Okay. And have you heard of anyone doing anything like that before? Um, Bootlegging a bunch of covers. Not so much. No, not really. 
I want them all together. Interesting. So, okay, hit, let, let, let me hit you with the technical side of this. Oh, God, okay then. Stage one, listen to a bunch of the covers and uh, get them organised into playlists or whatever. So you separate the good ones out from the bad ones, the creative from the ones chat. out. Sure, sure. I mean, there is every kind of paranoid Android cover out there. There are orchestral, quartets, woodwind covers, 8-bit covers. Oh, wow, okay. Jazz covers metal covers there's like every kind of cover you can imagine so there's a lot to work with there's, there are there are like four different barbershop covers oh jesus okay so it's there is there is fodder for the creative remixer so sure. however obviously i'm not gonna pay for high quality versions of all this these songs so you're gonna rip them off spotify yeah and nice. I, I probably wouldn't be able to find even 16-bit versions for download because these are like these are mostly relatively unknown yeah. people. Yeah. I think people have just been uploading like stuff they've done and probably don't meet any copyright standards, probably aren't paying any royalties. But then I come along and basically... <laughs> <laughs> Take make, it to the next level. Yeah, I mean, this is just asking for a copyright strike. It's asking for about 100 copyright strikes. Yeah, maybe they'll cancel each other out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so rip them all. Yeah. Batch process them to see if I can isolate vocals and drums. Mm-hmm. And then... No, no, but actually, before that, you got to line them up in terms of tempo. Oh, my God. Okay, well, it sounds like they're going to be pretty disparate, well, seeing as they're all a different genre. They are all different genres, but they're all roughly the same length, which is about 6 minutes 32-ish. Okay. They all kind of hit that. None of them are in a different key, at least of the ones I've marked down for usage. Are you going to be doing this with Ableton Live? Because it seems like the only sane choice. It, it is the only sane choice. Um, but So how do you do that? Now, you could, for instance, take the original, use it as your master, make marks on it. Because I'm pretty sure the original wouldn't have been played to any kind of metronome. Oh, really? Um, I bet it was. Nah, they recorded it in uh, Jane Seymour's mansion. She doesn't have any metronomes. I bet she's got t- I bet she's got cupboards full of tons of metronomes, mate. And click tracks. Um maybe get the original up and mark certain bars out with MIDI and then conform everything else to that MIDI mm. just to kind of make sure you've got it right. Then isolate the drums and vocals from those, the ones that do have drums and vocals, and see how well that goes if you get a good isolation. How are you isolating these drums and vocals? I'm going to RX that sucker. <gasps> oh, my word. And you can batch it. So I'm going to I'm <gasps> gonna go batch it crazy. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna set up the batch processing to happen overnight, and then in the morning, if it's ready... Just your computer will, will have achieved self awareness and be incredibly <laughs> depressed. Yeah, well, there, there, I did read something about how a, a CPU can only take so much processing throughout its life. I'm thinking, man, mine is going to be uh, pretty tired by now. Yeah, right. Without putting it through an RX marathon. Mm-hmm. Uh, see how good those isolations have been. Mm. And if I work with a lot of material, then. Maybe some won't go very well, but maybe some will. And so I choose those ones. They're already warped. Get everything back into the project. 
And basically, the, all the work is going to be done in advance. The actual sort of remix time of it mm. isn't going to take... I mean, it's probably going to take some work, but I don't think it's going to be like that intense compared to the logistics of the whole thing. Which maybe, just maybe, is why no one's ever done this kind of stupid thing before. Yeah, I think you are going to be in for a shock (laughs) (laughs) once once you've got all your bits together, buddy. So this week I've been listening to very little other than Paranoid Android covers and it is in my head like never before. I have a, a deeply spiritual connection with the tune now, as if I didn't before. Yeah, right. Well, you um, don't seem to be that miserable, which is making me think that you haven't really been paying attention. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, do you have an idea of which versions you're going to use for this oh, uh, mashup? Um, I've been I've been continuing to listen to them to sort of absorb them a little bit and come across points at which I think, ooh, that would that would be good in this. That would be good mm. in that. Very good version, which I love, by the way, is. Um, Someone called uh, Contraband, uh, spelt with an E, Contraband. Check this out. It's almost Nora Jones does Paranoid Android. But check out this lovely Rhodes tone. You reckon that's Rhodes? It sounds Rhodesy AF, mate. Sounds Rhodesy with the drive turned up to 11, right? I don't know. driven to me I like it god I wish I had a real electric piano buddy maybe uh, your vintage keys rack will come uh, in handy for that one let me tell you the vintage keys electric pianos sound nothing like a real electric (laughs) piano they're they're nice and everything but yeah authentic they are not they're so vintage they're shit Uh, well I I wouldn't say that but they yeah I don't think your, your 90s I am a big fan of '90s digital electric piano tones. Really? They yeah, they do. Yeah, I know it's surprising, right? But they don't sound anything like a real one, unfortunately. Oh. I know. I know. Okay, it is time for our first ever giveaway. Yay! Dun da da da! <laughs> oh no! Now I have to program a fanfare. Fanfare. I think. I think your impromptu fanfare was good enough. Okay, listeners, everybody listening to this has a chance, as long as you listen to this within the next two weeks, to win a copy of Disco DSP's Discovery Synth. Mm. Now we got a copy to show you. Do you want to pull it up, Mr. Tim? Yeah, why not, mate? Let's have a a look for that. Discovery. Here we go. Let's go through a few of the presets and check it out. Okay, how am I going to do this? Oh, there we listen to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. You're going to hear a lot of uh, C in this demo. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the... Hang on. I'm going to turn down the uh, the output because I'm playing some big chords and it's clipping. Okay. Let's have a listen to this, shall we, Playing James? some big boy chords. This is, oh, this is the biggest boy chord of all. Oh, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, it's because I turned down the wrong one. Okay. <laughs> right, let's make this really uh, simple. I'm leaving that in. Okay, no, oh, God, okay. <laughs> Take seven. Let's listen to a big boy chord. Nice sequence Actually, patch. Gonna use, I'm going to use my actual MIDI controller. 
That is the default thing. Let's uh, let's pick some other sounds that's pseudo random. Let's shall do we? some uh, patch surfing, baby. Oh yeah. I like it. Is it's this synth weird. based on something in particular? I think it's... Is it the Nord Lead 2, is it? Uh. Which is a quality synth. And it's basically a virtual analogue, right? Right. So it sounds very nice for lead sounds so far. There you go. Nice the... work, Takeshi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no worries, man. Um, do you want to join my band? Yeah. It doesn't exist. Oh, smart action. So we have got several licenses of this to give away to anyone who's listening. Let me tell you how this is going to work, people. There are three ways you can enter this incredible competition to win your license. Tim is going to regale you with the presets as I go through this. Method number one. Go on Twitter, go on the Appetite for Production Twitter, A4P Podcast, and find the tweets talking about this competition. Follow us, follow Disco DSP, and retweet the tweet to enter the competition. That's a weird patch, Timmy. Yeah, man, this this thing's alright, you know. Method number two. Go on Facebook and find our recent post about FM synthesis. React to that post with a love reaction. Love react only, guys! If you're on a phone, it means you hold down like and select the heart. Oh my god, are our listeners really that dumb? I don't know. They, I bet they are. Method number three, simply email a4ppodcast at gmail.com and say something along the lines of, I want to enter the competition. You have until Friday the 22nd of March 2019 to enter this competition. That's the date we're going to be recording the next podcast. So that's the date we're going to see who's entered and we're going to dole out your licenses and give you a little shout out on the podcast. If you want to enter this competition at a different point or if you don't understand anything that I've just said, all you need to do is look in the description of this podcast episode where I'll have repeated everything and there will be links in it too. Two weeks time, next episode, we're going to have another giveaway. So keep watching. Keep and listening. I think, we, I think we should say, James, people have probably got a pretty good chance of winning something if they enter this competition. Yeah, that's true. I mean, me and Tim have worked in the uh, magazine beers for a while, and we uh, we know the sort of response rate you often get on competitions isn't massive. So if you enter this, I'm going to say you've probably got a pretty good chance of getting a license. It's certainly better than your chance of winning the lottery. Hell yeah. And with the lottery, you can't make Fat jams like this. How about that? Boom. I think you need to go back to keyboard school. I know. I never went to keyboard school. Can you tell? Yep. Bomb. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Bouncy, bouncy. Okay, 
Tim, serious time now. Yeah. The guy what is out of the prodigy is dead. Uh, Keith Flint. Yeah. Real unexpected for everybody, I think. And he took his own life. Absolutely tragic. I don't really pay much attention to like celebrity de- deaths and stuff and everything. And I don't really go on social media too much anymore. Um, but it did seem like there was a massive outpouring uh, from people, which which kind of surprised me. But I mean, I guess, you know, without even being hyperbolic, he was he was a really iconic figure from, you know, the sort of the generation when electronic music you know, be, you know, began to be a sort of thing for people. So it is, it's really sad. And it's, you know, it's particularly sad that he, he took his own life and everything and died at a young age and everything. And it does seem to be, um, you know, a bit of a crisis of mental health for, for you know, young and middle-aged men, particularly even in dance music as well. So without wanting to, you know, hijack this tragic um, event or whatever... If you're feeling a bit sad, do reach out. Um, Mind UK offer services for people who are depressed. And also you might have some mates who would be nice to talk to about this sort of stuff. So that's my take on it, James. Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I don't have anything to add. Um, Yeah, it's it's really rough, man. I mean, like, how old was he? He was 49. So not a lot older than me. Mm, I I hadn't realised he was relatively, so relatively young. Well, yeah, because you know the the prod, you know when he would have when the prodigy would have started, they were all in like their like late late teens, mm. you know, if early twenties, um, and yeah, I don't know, it's just awful, and it's like, and you think if you know if Keith Flint is that depressed and and he's enormously successful and beloved, clearly, what hope do any of us have? Mm. So yeah, really, really awful. I have to say it hasn't uh it hasn't affected me that much because if we're talking about sort of 1995 as the red letter year for the prodigy um I was 7 years old so <laughs> right okay, it, okay. It, it was more of a that man on telly is very scary <laughs> um you know which which sort of melted away when I reached like 25 26 uh, yeah yeah you finally got you finally got used to it well I mean I often forget James that you and I are basically different generations mm. um so for me um one of one of the watershed moments of my youth was seeing um the prodigy's Charlie video on top of the pops which I think it's it's really hard to overstate now how um just crazy that shit was back in the day like it sounded like music from another planet basically it sounded really fast as well um you know and it was like these noise you know resampled hoovers were not something you heard much back in 1991 so it really sounded crazy and also it had this uh this a familiar aspect of sampling the children's public service announcement, which I was familiar with uh-huh. from from my childhood, and yeah, it was just like a really bizarre piece of art that just was like totally mind blowing at the time. And you know, and that that was a real fundamental moment in me becoming interested in electronic music, and you know, leading to where I am today, which is chatting to you on a podcast about all this sort of stuff. And it's it's interesting that something so. Uh as we would now say, mainstream as Top of the Pops would even 
Oh, let that on. Absolutely. That definitely not happen now because uh, mainstream is very mainstream. Although back in the day, I guess mainstream meant okay, we have to uh, we have to let everyone in because there are no alternative forms of media for them. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's the thing. If you look at the you know the mainstream now, like sort of like pop, drum and bass. It's, you know, the emphasis is on the pop part rather than the drum and bass. Like, you know, Charlie, it was, you know, it was essentially an instrumental, although it had some, you know, like samples of cartoon cats making weird noises on it. Mm. But it was a really bizarre, dark, psychedelic piece of music. And I think it, yeah. And I think, in a, you know, it makes, it makes me think from what you're saying, we've really kind of gone backwards since then in terms of in terms of what we're prepared to open our minds to in the mainstream, really. It's the Overton window, Tim. It is the Overton Overton window, and we need to move it back to the Overton window towards weirdness, mate. I guess it's because there are so many channels where the weirdness yeah, you're, you're can go, right. you know, yeah. and the mainstream has become annoyingly so mainstream. Yeah, man. And I know we were talking earlier about, like, sort of, like, the mainstream of stuff on YouTube, mentioning no names... But yeah, I mean, it does seem like people are increasingly unwilling to step out of their comfort zone. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, and yeah, people are <clears throat> taking that uh, very mainstream idea as a template and mm. maybe becoming even more derivative. But uh, it's just sounding like an old man when I say that. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, with, with reference to the prodigy in particular it does seem like that was a moment in time that won't be replicated where you would have these really kind of outrageous, um, you know, you know, they were kind of, you know, almost avant-garde in terms of, you know, what their contemporaries were. Like, you mm. know, this was, you know, Charlie was getting into the charts at the same time as uh, I'm Too Sexy by ah. White Said Fred. So, you know... Oh, there's something I can relate well, to. There, yeah, there you go. And, like, nowadays, you don't you don't see... And, I, you know, I can say this without fear of being labelled an old git or whatever because you don't see that juxtaposition in modern mainstream pop music anymore. It simply doesn't happen. The The homogenisation is real, I think. So I think, I think it's important to to se- to celebrate what what the prodigy have done and and you know i think often electronic music doesn't as you know especially more like you know more accessible forms of ele- electronic music i mean you know like rave friendly forms of dance music that get played by dj's i think that doesn't it doesn't really get a lot of um you know sort of critical attention or critical acclaim mm-hmm. and you know i think i think if you listen to the prodigy's first album experience now which is one of my favorite albums ever um i think it's an absolute masterpiece um i think liam howlett was you know absolutely at the cutting edge of of dance music especially back in those days so yeah i think i think it's i think it's i think it's right to give the prodigy the acclaim that they you know really really deserve basically Mm. on the plus side uh what it made me realize was that the prodigy did have just an absolutely enormous influence on loads and loads of people and you know it's it's great that they managed to do so much for so many people and it it makes me it makes me feel good about people making exciting innovative dance music and i think 
you know, I think every all of all the Prodigy members can be really, really happy with what that you know what they've created and what they've done, and you know, and they've inspired they've inspired so many artists who whose music I love as well that I think it's you know it's it's I think it's a great time to remember the contribution that they've made, and you know, even though Keith's death is really, really tragic. Um, a lot of good has has come out of their work so yeah and maybe it will inspire people to bring that attitude back at least a little bit and open their minds i really hope no thinking about all this stuff has has made me want to you know has made me want to try and get really get back to that 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 feeling that i got when i heard their music for the first time which was you know it felt like it was unrestricted by sort of commercial pressures and everything. And it's really made me want to do stuff that I feel really says something and, you know, make, gives people the feels, basically. I think we've got to get back to the feels, guys. There's a lot of people making music that's just box ticking right now. That they, They're probably not even making that much money out of anyway. So why not, why not just go full on and say, OK, I'm going to make this art that is... It, that isn't isn't all about you know fitting into a box and making people like me. It's more about really expressing something. Tim, it's time for our first ever interview. Is this a new regular feature? Uh, yeah, hopefully. Uh, like I said earlier, let us know if you like having an interview in here. Let us know if you don't. Whatever, or if you don't care, don't do anything. I just want to say again, I really don't care people's thoughts anymore. So we are talking to Mr. Charlie Beerman, a.k.a. Break, the producer's drum and bass producer. Yeah, a kind of like a stalwart of the scene who gets applauded on the regular, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, Break's uh, made a lot of uh, great music and uh, more recently he's uh, ventured into mastering uh, with uh, Cygnus Audio, is that right? That is correct, yes. Yeah. So I thought it'd be cool to have... A chat to him about both of those things that he does and find out, you know, some of his influences and everything. Take a look behind the music, James. Okay, and not only do we have an interview, we have uh, some specific new interview theme music to go with it. Yes! Written in the style of the TV show, Frasier. <laughs> so what is, what's the concept uh, People are phoning up Frasier and discussing their problems with him. Yeah, I guess so. Or you're having some witty repartee with uh, each of our guests. No, well, I think that's, yeah. I mean, I definitely think of myself as Frasier to your Niles. So I think that's a pr- pretty good shout, man. Yeah, nice. is, is that something about our hairlines? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much so. <laughs> Roll the interview. So, Charlie Brake, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, little producer chat. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thanks. 
How's Excellent. everything your end? Yeah, it's all right. Apart from I've got yet another cold, basically. I don't know what I'm doing, man. I'm eating a lot of fruit and veg these days, so I don't know what else there is left to try. But uh, never never mind all that. So um, when me and James were discussing this, you were basically the first name that both of us thought of. Because you are somewhat of a producer's producer, I think it's fair to say. But what I wanted to know was, what producers do you like? Um, of any genre, Like, what producers do you really, really rate? Wow, I needed some prep time. It's always, <laughs> it's always that question of what's your favourite track? What's the best? Oh, I know, um, man. It's terrible. It's terrible, isn't it? I mean, do any do any names spring to mind immediately? I mean, yeah, from you know within drum and bass, um, you know, I love what Skeptical does. I I like you know I love Calix and TB's production. Um, you know, I've I've done a bit of work with with Mefjus remix and collabs with him. You know, he, he's really good. Uh, you know, Spectrosol. Um, sure, there's probably sure. loads of other people. Breakage recently has been smashing it. So the, yeah, there's a you know there's a handful. Those are kind of people that I, I play a lot of their tunes and and really like you know their music and their kind of technical skills and their sound. And, you know, loads of other stuff outside of drum and bass, but um, a lot of it's old, a lot, you know, there's there's obviously newer stuff, but I'm kind of, I'm just useless with names. So I hear a track, it sounds great. And often with these things, you know, especially with pop or even, you know, a lot of music online, it's quite hard to find out who the actual producer or the mixer is. You You might know the artist, but... Well, you don't get liner notes in quite the same way anymore, which is a bit... No, that's it. A bit of a thing. I mean, I, I, t- I talked to Mark Mack from Four Hero a few years ago, and he said he used to look at that sort of stuff a lot. And I feel like that's something that the modern ge- generation probably don't have access to in the same sort of way that we do. We used to. Yeah, I yeah say. I, it seems. I guess you, you've. Yeah, I've got a hunt on Discogs, searching for the right CD version or sort of you know album version to then see the credits who's on there. And I, I, it's good that Discogs do that because, um, like you said, with an MP3, there's no CD cover, there's no vinyl sleeve to ch- read up on, and it is kind of interesting, especially if you're doing what we do and you're, you know, interested who's actually made it or mixed it or played the keys on it or whatever it is. So, mm. um, yeah, I try and hunt down that stuff where I can, though. Sure. I mean, I guess on the plus side these days, there's a lot more information available on YouTube, for example. I mean, in terms in terms of breaks, do you, will you like keep your breaks sort of like mono, or are you do you like to kind of like keep keep the feel of the old sort of stereo vinyls in them? A, a bit of both. There's sometimes stereo issues, you know, where the snare's more on the right than the the kick, or especially in the low end, you know, you don't want too much stereo where the kicks off to one side or it's it's really wide and roomy. But um, mm. there's tunes recently I've done where I've de- definitely left the stereo in, and it is really cool, especially because it's been mic'd up in that way. It's not just like sticking a stereo expander or something on it. It's a cool, yeah. You know, totally. real stereo stereo room effect, which would be pretty hard to recreate. So Absol- when when you get lucky and you get a good break that's got that well recorded stereo in it, I, I'll probably leave it. Um, obviously, if you're going through lots of old samples and things, a lot of the breaks are mono because they got monoed originally mm. um, before they went into a sample pack or onto that record that it's been sampled off. So you can't always you know have the stereo and and of most jungle pretty much is 
pretty mono. If it sounds good in mono, then adding a bit more width to it is just going to sound a bit better usually. So I definitely take that approach. I, I know when I look at stereoscope, my production in general is a bit more mono than some people's, especially the kind of modern sounding, you know, more synth-based D&B. But in a club, it, you, you, you need the mono to be the thing, really, because you could be stood on one side of the club or, you know, the system's not set up exactly properly for, uh, for stereo. So I try, I try and, yeah, make sure the mono's strong as the main thing. Sure, sure. Um, I mean, like, talking about breaks further, I mean, do you, like, I remember reading in an interview, you said you were kind of like a particular fan of Cold Sweat. Are there any other sort of breaks that your favourites, in particular specific versions of those breaks from a particular source? I love the the Dyke and the Blazers breaks. They've been on, you know, several of my tunes in various re-edits and kind of chops, but they're, they're like a band that just have a great drum sound on a bunch of records, which I can't. I can't quite suss out. Um, <laughs> I'd have to. I'd have to bring up my folders and kind of, you know, there's all the classic, and that's what you know. More in the last year or two, there's people I've been chatting to, and it's that kind of annoying element of those classics like Skull Snaps or mm. things like that. They are kind of classic breaks for a reason because when you go through thousands, there are just these certain ones that are just, you know, mystically amazing and you you can't quite suss out how they're they're recorded and just so well made the classics are still classics for a reason i mean i guess it's i guess for a lot of them it's just most breaks you can't speed up to 170 and they sound any good you'd have to like rearrange them so much that you just lose all the original funk to to get them to work at that tempo which kind of defeats defeats the point basically i mean it's the, the massive problem with it with the like yeah with this genre getting to this speed it's because i everything i started you know back in the day was really much more breaksy breaks of really chopped up you know more that jungle patterns and stuff and it was just yeah that realization that a in a club it doesn't work so well at that speed and then trying to produce it to a level to compete with sort of two-step sparse beats it's it's just often impossible that's kind of what the big challenge is you Mm. know in general is how like you said how do you get a break that was played at 100 to sound good at 174 without ruining it or losing the groove so that's yeah that's the big sort of mission of what i'm generally trying to do with breaks when i use them like that Mm, sure sure i mean talking about like modern dmb production talk about like tracks that are more synthetic and stuff like that i mean it does seem the approach to mixing now is having just like huge full range synth sounds that that just like take up all of the space and then like mm. making gaps for them making gaps yeah. for these massive kicks and snares um which sounds incredibly impressive especially on a club system and everything but it doesn't it, it it's really far, so far removed from the the kind of the the soul influenced original sort of jungle sound isn't it yeah, like you said, it, it does sound impressive. There's there's people that do it really well, and it's kind of a thing where I'm I just sort of look on as sort of a bystander. Like it's it's great. I wish I could do that as well, but it's just not something that grabs me as much. But I'm always keen to take elements of that and you know bring some of that in um, to mm. what I do. And I think you've got to embrace some of the either just technological improvements that you know let you do that stuff or just take the bits you like from it and put that into your 
sound. So yeah, I I I know what you're saying in terms of I guess yeah, jungle and drum and bass was definitely a synth music to some extent, but it was for me it was always the the blend of the two that made it cool. Mm. It was you know either like an Amen is a real break, but it's been mashed up so it's it sounds computerized, but it still sounds real, and that was always the appeal of sort of jungle and Amens to me. It was. It wasn't just drum machines that wouldn't have really grabbed me. Same you might thing as well be listening of, to techno if, uh, if if you're a drum machine fetishist, I guess. Yeah, and I, but I kind of like that for what it is because that's what that is, and you kind of that's what I want to hear if I listen to techno. And it's the same thing with synths. It's like you know a Mentasm or a sort of Reese sounds wicked because it's kind of they're just it's the same as those breaks. They're those classic sort of one in a million sort of sounds. But you can get amazing synth sounds, but it's. Yeah, it's hard work and and probably a lot of it needs to have some real realness done to it, whether it's like reverbs or just resampling and pitching up and reversing and doing all that stuff to it. So, yeah, I think it's I guess it's like with a lot of this stuff now, it's just so easy to bring up a synth, get a really loud sort of big sound and kind of like you're, you're done. Um, <laughs> but it, yeah it doesn't quite tick the box as well as some of those other elements, like you said, the soulful stuff that kind of, for me, makes jungle drum and bass what what it is. I mean, do you, do you still do a lot of sampling from vinyl? I, I do, probably less so. I guess part of it is I've got so much on the hard drive over the years, you just, you never quite used it all. So I, I do often go back through these folders I've made. There's some elements of, you know, worrying um, about clearance for certain things, but no, I, I do, I do do it. I used to do more of these big sort of charity shop runs, and I just just go and get you know fifty p pound records and just bring back forty or fifty of them, just pretty much random. You'd either pick a sort of fun cover or just <laughs> t- take a punt, looking at what you know what it was. And like we said earlier, it's like a lot of them would have some blurb on the back, so you could get a gist of what the record was about. So I've I've got a load of cool stuff just from weird sort of easy. It's basically whatever OAPs in Bristol sort of <laughs> took into the charity shop, basically. Um, so it's a lot of easy listening and kind of. I guess sort of 60s 70s stuff but there's a lot of gold in those eras so you you never know what you'll find and I'd like to do it more I mean I get it is kind of an expensive habit when I was really doing that stuff a lot especially if you're getting cool really good records you know they're going to be 10 20 30 quid a pop so if you just get you know a little stack of them to take home is a kind of like pricey habit um yeah did you go to that place off zetland road is it like center for better grooves or whatever no well it's pretty good mate but they have priced things um like accurately to what the market value is basically i think so you don't really get any bargains in there but they had quite a lot of lonnie liston smith the last time i was in there but that was a few years ago now um oh nice so yeah pretty pretty sick um i mean the reason i ask specifically about sampling off vinyl is i have had a load of trouble getting a decent vinyl sound which is probably due to my crappy newmark usb deck so what is your what is your signal chain for sampling off vinyl i mean i assume it's sl 1200s is it yeah um yeah, it's the 1200s into an Allen and Heath Zone 92, and then basically straight into the sound card. I mean, I I did have this unit a while back ago that um, Bo, who's a mastering engineer that a lot of people do Bo stuff Thomas. with. Get, uh-huh, yeah. Bo Thomas, yeah. And he'd get, I can't remember the name of it, it's somewhere, I haven't plugged it in for a while, but it is a special box that's the kind of, basically like... Um, an a what would you call it like yeah kind of um not an ad converter but it's like um 
like a What's just like called? a spe- specified preamp a D- for the sorry uh, it's a, yeah it's like a di box basically oh, okay. for, for vinyl but you get a just super loud crisp kind of yeah i think it's basically the mastering grade what you plug so that's the thing to find if you really want to be um you know super high high def but i'm i'm not that kind of anal about that thing i think you're taking it off of crusty records it's it, you know you want it to sound good but it's i think probably the needle is is probably the main thing what what have i got uh, for a long time i used the concords but i think now i've got those sure i'm just trying to lean over let me lean over and see which one it is Yeah, the the M four four seven. Okay, but I think someone had said to me, I think has Shaw gone out of business, or they've stopped making. Well, not gone out of business, but they stopped making needles. Apparently. Oh my God! What a calamity! I think so, because I, I swear someone was saying to me it's hard to get them, and they've obviously just skyrocketed online because, um, yeah, they're out of out of production. Don't quote me on that, but I. That does seem to be like a rumor that I remember hearing. Yeah, well, I well, I really want an SL twelve hundred, but they're like four hundred and fifty quid on eBay, and I can't really afford that that luxury. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit of a bugger. Right. Yeah, I, I I've I've had worse decks. I guess at that time I didn't. It was more about getting the best one to actually mix on. But um, I reckon probably needle and I guess a fairly decent mixer is probably the main two things. Sure, sure. So um, when I interviewed you a few years ago, you were working in Logic. Is that still the case? It is still the case, yeah. I'm mostly still in Nine. Um, oh, really? Yeah, the, is a, I've got Ten as well. Um, the problem I've got is that I'm on 10.94, which is Mavericks, I think, still on, you know, as an OS X. Mm. So I can't upgrade Logic 10 to the sort of newer version without upgrading um, the operating system nightmare which i never do basically <laughs> un- unless i do a full fresh install on another hard drive because it just is too risky so I, I i am waiting to either get a new computer or to do a fresh install on another hard drive again but um I, yeah I've, I've used 10 you know a fair bit um but there's just some things that bug me i know everyone i know who's switched and says you just got to give it a couple of months and you know you'll you'll get into it and forget about nine the things you you miss and then there'll be new things you love about 10 and i I can see that already but there are still some gripes for me that kind of are just irritating to kind of um get used to and i sort of look at it like really there are a new thing but if you you know if you can't make a great track on logic nine or Logic Seven, <laughs> or whatever. It's. Do you know what I mean? Ninety percent of it isn't really the software. It's the sort of. Oh sure, sure. I mean, I guess yeah, it's, it's a case idea of and convenience rather than anything else. I mean, you haven't been true. tempted away from Logic by stuff like the auto alignment in Cubase or the kind of like audio to MIDI in Live. None of none of that's really sort of like bothered you. Then I guess. I I, I have. I was impressed when I worked with Mephius, he used Cubase and, and Mikhail I know as well. He's been up here for sessions and uses Cubase. And there was some things that I really was impressed with. And originally I started on Cubase three. Um, so I do have a, you know, a soft spot for Cubase. It's totally different now from what it was then, but, um, Oh God. Yeah. 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 There were uh, the audio editing and the kind of, yeah, the real time printing and, 
ju- just some of the ways you can manipulate audio and things like that I, I was impressed with but you always seem to be mid some projects so trying to do a switch um, which is going to take a few months of learning and sort of experimenting is ju- it just never feels like the right time that's kind of always the issue and uh, you know, you're using uh, Wavelab for mastering is that correct? Yeah I love Wavelab I've used that uh, for a long time and I, I've always used it for sort of audio editing and yeah originally I used that for sample I, I do de-clicking and things sort of manually in there um, oh really right right because that's what's nice about Wavelab you can literally just draw on the waveform with a with a pencil um, so that's how I used to de-click everything and it was pretty effective but obviously RX now from you know Isotope is um is really impressive so I, I use that a lot for all my restoration or sort of cleaning or post-productions or pre pre and post-production stuff but um yeah wavelab's great for for mastering it's um you know the sounds great it's very snappy and kind of um just sort of reliable with the rendering and uh, yeah you've got these sort of montage modes with with the clips so you can have um your plug-in chains on each clip of audio and yeah it's, it works really well for mastering it's it ticks a lot of boxes so yeah i'm a big f- that's you know that was actually what kind of slightly drew me to cubase i thought i i know there's a lot of those wave lab features in cubase um it's something i will i will probably try this year um and see how i get on with cubase but i think once you've used logic for sort of 10 years it's it's just yeah it's, it's second nature and you don't want to have to retrain all that muscle memory, I guess. You know what I mean? That's it. Yeah, you've got all your key commands and uh, just sort of know where everything is. So I think it's, yeah, probably logic logic for life. <laughs> wicked, wicked. Um, I just wanted to ask you before we finish up about mastering, because you're still doing a lot of mastering, I take it then. Yeah, it's, it's been really busy the um, last couple of years. And um, yeah, it's going well. So yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a big part of every week, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you not get bored of it or anything like that? Just getting tons and tons of uh, people's tracks through, whatever. I, not so much bored because I think the fun bit about mastering is just the, that challenge with each tune to try and make it sound better and achieve okay. that. But it's, I guess it's more just the um, it's the the constantness of you know you you finish ten or five and then there's another five. It's just the time you know and the organisation of keeping up with it, which I'm not you know they're not my strongest sort of uh, skills. So that that's more where the 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 burden or that you know the stress is is just oh i've got five more that i need to get done this week so it's it's more just that organization side of it really or the you know the time but i, I really enjoy doing it and um it's actually taught you know it's, it still teaches me a lot for, for my own production and mastering you know my tracks or other people's tunes but it, it, it does help uh, you always hear sort of producers can't be mastering engineers or vice versa but i'm not i'm not totally sold on that i totally get that if you specialize that's that's a good good thing to do but um they've both played into each you know they both played off each other really well for me and kind of taught me stuffy either way that's been really handy yeah i mean i would say even even though a lot of mastering engineers are very good, I have had some questionable results from mastering or whatever, which which has baffled me. Like stuff like audible distortion or whatever. I mean, have you ever right. gone back to any of your masters and like thought that that was no good or whatever, or that you know there was something I could have done differently there? Yeah, I've, I have had that issue. You know, the odd time where I guess I mean 
I get it from a from mastering engineer's point of view. You 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 probably just don't have time to sit and listen back. You know, you you'll spend your time at those certain sections of the tune getting the mastering mm. right. But to to be able to sit through that all, especially let's say you're doing an EP for someone, you've got four tracks. Um, I, I get that occasionally you're not going. You might miss the odd little bit here and there. You know, four and a half minutes in, there's one little or something. I mean, yeah. ideally you don't want that, but it, it can't always be a hundred percent foolproof. So I, I, I'm not at all averse if someone spots that and they're just like, oh, there's a little thing that happens here, or there's a little. I mean, generally not clicks, but yeah, it might be the odd bit of distortion or just something doesn't react with the chain the way the rest of the tune does. So I don't think um, it can be a hundred percent, you know, perfect every time. Of, of those little things but from having that and and knowing that people don't want that I do take a lot of care to try and avoid distortion that that is one of the main things you don't want it's generally tricky where you've got it's sort of filter sweeps and quite often breakdowns where there's like bass and a vocal or a pad or something those are your usual suspects sure so sure. I, I've, I've kind of learned where where those things might happen and try and um check those points um in tracks when you're doing things like that yeah sick sick well mate thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us i mean uh, people can get your mastering services from cygnus is that correct yeah I do, I, I do most of it there i do some of it myself um with a few sort of select clients but yeah this the cygnus website and portal is is the best way to do it um because they've got a great system you know for uploading downloading and for me getting the jobs so yeah um feel free to hit them up and um have you got join any- the queue it's quite busy but we'll we'll get you know we'll get them done <laughs> <laughs> have you got anything else you'd like to plug while you've got the chance well if you didn't you know you didn't get the another way album that was my latest album that just came out um end of last year you know that's that's my last big project and um yeah i'm working on some other projects at the moment it's non-drum and bass stuff so i've got a single that's well kind of an ep that's just come out which is myself on the a side and then myself and kyo which is Degrees of Freedom. We just had a release out on Outlook recordings, um, which is like part of that Outlook Festival brand. Right. Um, so that's a that's actually a little mixture, that one of sort of kind of dub and house vibes, sort of house, house techno vibes. And that's, yeah, that's something we'll be pursuing a lot more this year, which is mainly more down the house route as Degrees of Freedom. So yeah, more stuff of that to come this year alongside, you know, the, the regular drum and bass releases. Yeah, everyone's doing techno right now. Have you got a techno project up your sleeve? Sadly not. I've tr- it's more sort of tech house. We're, we're not doing so much of that with that project. It's more kind of vocal, deep type stuff. I do like tech house, but yeah, techno, I, I like, but I probably, you know, need a bunch of modular synths and drum <laughs> machines. And uh, it's a whole next thing to get stuck into so yeah I, I i really enjoy it but um i just don't have enough to, i've got too many genres on the go as it is <laughs> that's that's fair enough mate you want to you want to focus on that stuff mate that's thank it. you thank you so much for taking the time see you later more than welcome nice one take care 
Well, that was a, a very classy experience. It was extremely classy, wasn't it? I feel that's really something that we as a podcast bring to people that they can't really get anywhere else yeah, in an, this whole field. An air of the bourgeois sort of plug-in <laughs> software market. I definitely think of myself as a Prosecco socialist, mate. So that's uh, that's definitely a good look. I've been supping on my tapenade all the way through. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. It was kind of distracting. Um, so I feel like we should shout out Brake's uh, website, specifically the Symmetry Recordings website, which is symmetryrecordings.co.uk. So uh, go is, and check it out if you want to listen to some of his music. Is Symmetry Recordings, by any chance, Brake's record label? It is Brake's record label. Indeed. That's right. Mm. So big thanks to Brake for getting involved. Let's continue. Okay, Matimi, it is time for Random Contact Instrument Corner. What the hell am I looking at, James? I'm going to have to put my glasses on for this because this is, <laughs> for some reason, very intense for me. Right, tell me what's happening. This particular contact in- instrument is called Absalted Zither. Uh, uh, I don't understand what the pun is there, really. I, I don't think there is a pun. Uh, there's a psaltery, which what is, is psaltery? Uh, some kind of fretless string instrument. <sighs> okay. Anyway. I there, should be less of a grump. This is a zither instrument for contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 contact patches, 24-bit, 48k multi-samples, and it's four gigs of zithery goodness. Mm-hmm. Uh, check it out. I think it actually sounds really damn good. It does, actually. Listen to those transients. Oh, it makes me want to watch freaking Crouching Tiger, mate. Like, I could really use this kind of tone. Could you? Probably not with these particular chords. Mmm. Oh, There's some multi-sample craziness going on here. Yeah. So next time you need a, uh, a pluck sound, I think this would be very useful to process. It's got an East Asian vibe going on in it. This is very nice. It's lovely, isn't it? It's fucking great, mate. Yeah, it's a company called Modwheel, who have, uh, it seems, two, uh, these two New Zealand composers have worked with uh, Peter Jackson and on those movies, so that's pretty cool. Well, they probably all live in the same Hobbit village, I guess, if they're New Zealand locals, so mm. yeah, they probably meet over, over a barbie or whatever. So next time you're making an electronic music banger... Why not consider throwing a zither on the barbie? Oh, God. That uh, is almost offensive. Um, do you want to know an, in, an interesting uh, fact? Go on. You know when you know when Australian people rise at the end of their sentences? Yeah. Even when it's not a question? I know that was a question, so it kind of didn't work. But apparently that's called a high-rising terminal. HRT. HRT, hormone replacement therapy, that's right. Fair enough. A little bit of a uh, language fact for you there, mates. I'm, uh, my mind is blown. Um, how many clams for this bad boy? This zither, regularly 89 US clams. 
and it's on sale now. Ooh. It's got a special intro deal, and also you get their free kalimba instrument. I if, love a kalimba. If you're into thumb pianos, <laughs> for 65 US clams. Thumbing it in is the way I go, son. So yeah, that sounds uh, sounds worth checking out, I reckon. Yeah, if you if you want something interesting, you can't really go wrong with a zither. Mm-hmm. Can you? Yes. Okay, what's happening now, James? Well, we haven't had much news recently since the whole NAM thing happened, but I believe there has been a release which happened on uh, the 3rd of March, also known as 303 Day. Yeah, do you know what a 303 is, James? Well, I've, I've, uh, I'm not massively experienced, but I do. And wait a second, shouldn't 303 Day be on the 30th of March? Um, yes, but it's more like the American uh, numbering system. Do you know what? It doesn't make any sense, mate. It doesn't March make any the sense third, at all. Yeah, March yeah. the zero third. Anyway, tell me about the... Well, no, what what is this release first? It's the uh, Roland Cloud version of the 303, right? Well, you've literally just told me what it is, mate. So, yeah, it's the Roland Cloud version of the uh, Roland TB 303, the ill-fated um like bass guitar emulator in a box was it meant to emulate the guitar yeah well yeah i think so really it doesn't sound like a guitar it sounds like an acid-fueled nightmare which is uh why it helped uh create the electronic dance music no, uh, music genre known as acid house i was gonna ask for a brief history lesson but i think you're you're in the middle of one yeah well basically so house was kind of like kicking off in the mid 80s um you know disco had kind of like gone away a bit um but there was still a need for high energy dance music james um Mm -hmm. people making that were on a bit of a budget and they were making stuff with you know the kind of like the cheaper end of music tech, the drum machines and synths and stuff and everything. And uh, they started mucking about with this ill-fated and subsequently a rather cheap uh, bass instrument uh, called the 303 that was capable of creating some insane noises. And when pushed to its limits, right? Yeah, totally. So, like, it was like, it's like a single oscillator thing. You can select it between a square and a sawtooth waveform and it had crazy uh, resonance and filter cutoff stuff going on in there. And you could really tweak it around and create some warped, psychedelic bass and lead noises with it. Okay. And I have no idea what this is. Have you never used like a 303 plugin at all? No. You are so screwed, mate. Because yeah. do you know what's going to happen now? What? I am going to force you, against your will, to make an Acid House classic with no experience or knowledge. How so, about that? Yeah, as as regular listeners might know, I'm not exactly an au fait with the intricacies of electronic music. How old are you in 1988, The Summer of Love? <laughs> I was about two months old. Oh, wicked. Well, this this will be exactly your era then. <laughs> uh, maybe I was conceived in uh, the summer of love. Um, nice. You did send me a few acid techno tracks. Yeah. What did, a couple what did, of weeks what ago. What did you think of them? Uh, I thought they were like something a child would make. <laughs> well, we're going to find out if you are as smart as a child <laughs> right now. Okay, so we're going to... 
we're, I'm going to come over to the computer. We've got a project set up. And I am going to try, as a complete novice who's hardly even heard any acid techno until this week, to make some. Mm. And we're probably, possibly, maybe, or perhaps going to put this video out on our YouTube channel just for shits and giggles. Oh, you lucky, lucky people. You can search it out and maybe there, maybe not. Look in the podcast description or show notes and you might get a link to it. Otherwise, we're going to have a redacted version right now. Let's get on with it. Okay. Right, what have we got? Okay, now look, this is going to be complicated for you, James. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll show you why. Would you press space on the sp- uh, on the keyboard? Okay, press space again. So, they, they that, automatically that play, play whatever pattern has been selected with, like, your pattern selector thing oh, or whatever. Man. Okay. So, you so can- if I press stop on the 909... Yeah, that's not gonna. That's not really gonna make any difference. Ah. Oh, actually, okay. Okay. Well, look. Let's just freestyle it. Okay. Do you want? Okay. How much help do you reckon you're gonna want? Probably a million helps. Okay. Oh, you're on fire. And uh, dare I guess? Oh, you've gone for the snare rather than the clap. Uh, am I supposed to go for the clap? Well, I no. I don't want to tell you your job, mate. But well. What I'm gonna do is, is go for the clap and the snare and take the snare down a bit. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Go and do that. Nice. Can I extend the pattern out a bit and just do that as a cheeky one in each four bars? I don't know. Can you? Now you're ready to go, mate. Sweet. And okay. everything. And let me know. Let me know if you need any more help. How do I change the note? Um, try dragging the middle bit. No, like the 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 actual the bit with the uh, the the black bit. This bit? Yeah. Oh! There you go, you see? And you'll notice on the keyboard, the virtual keyboard at the bottom, it'll show you specifically what note you're playing. There you go. Nice, that, that, that's a start, certainly. Okay. Acidic. How much LSD have you taken? Well, uh, that's that's one thing I wanted to run by you. I mean, I've not had my BCG vaccination. <laughs> Is it okay for me to use a TB303? Um, I don't understand that reference. Oh, uh, I don't want to get TB. Oh, God. Okay, okay, okay. Check this out. Ooh, you're yeah? pretty funky. Well, I, just, I got that from my mother's side. <laughs> Something like this. And remember, so once you've come... Okay, I, you know, I'm just going to shut up. Yeah, mm, like that? Yep, nice, like, nice. Acidic enough for you? Yeah, it's lovely. And now I'm going to push it up. Maybe D sharp. I don't think that's going to work, but let's try it. Huh? Like I that? like it, man. It's <laughs> all right. My first techno time. <laughs> Everyone remembers their first techno time. <laughs> You're going to remember this for the rest of your short life. Uh, actually, yeah. Invert. Nah, I'm just I'm I'm a forward kind of guy. Okay, like the thing is having a bit of a variation. That's kind of a bit vain and bourgeois for Acid House. Yeah, exactly. So I wouldn't worry about that too much. Um, 
So next, what I suggest you do is you add some hi-hats. Of course. And then we get some kind of like swing going on. I really want to know how how I'm going to vary this throughout the track. Because I want to make, obviously want to make like A pattern on the drums, B pattern on the drums. No, 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 no. I just got to keep going with the same thing. Oh, yeah. Nice and tight, I think. You're alright with that? Yeah, that's cool. Okay, uh, and I'm in. What, I'm still like... really angry that you've accented every kick, but let's. I'm just gonna try and ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if I turn the attack up. Can you turn the snare down at least? The panel. Ooh. So oh. maybe have a look at that after you've done a bit of programming with the main knobs. I okay. would say. Okay. As in these knobs. Yeah, and then you can go back to them afterwards. Let me see what each of them does. What's that one? Env mod. So I just change how the envelope responds? Yeah, so what's the decay doing? Nothing. So you're going to have to turn that up. Doesn't make a difference. Yeah, so you're going to need both of them turned up a bit. And maybe add some accents oh. in the sequencer. I thought you didn't like accents. No, I do like... Okay. You got a funny accent. You definitely need to accent the 303. Okay. I would advise against accenting every kick in, in a drum sequencer. But, you know, whatever. Now, and maybe have a look at the distortion effect. Now, obviously, uh -huh. this, this stuff wasn't in the actual original 303, but, but people did tend to distort them quite a lot. Sheet so that's something game. that Roland have added for okay. our pleasure. Let's go with it. What happens if I change it to the square now? Eh. I can get with that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Nice and farty. Something like that. You like that? No, I want more resonance, more envelope mods. Can't get much more resonance. More accent. How's that? More accent. More accent. Oh, there we go. Yes! No! Up! Back up! <laughs> Come on! Make it squeak! Come on! Up! Up! Up on the cutoff! Come on! There you go! That's it! That's acid! No! Stop turning it down! <laughs> Now mess with the decay time. No, the decay. Oh yeah, there you go. How come the decay's not doing anything? Uh, um, how much is it? What's the old mod said to? Maybe my uh, parts okay. Now now turn the cutoff uh, back down and everything, and try and get the uh, the old mod and the decay to do the craziness. Oh, there you go. That's it. You, it's where it goes. Wow. There you go. There you go, son. You like that? Yeah, I do like okay, that. Maybe fair. maybe set the delay mode to one of the delay things and get a bit hard floor with it. So you're going to get one. That's it. Up. We want them up. Yeah. I'm starting to enjoy myself. Yeah, wicked! <laughs> I knew you would. 
now let's have some other um, drum sounds in there. Okay. Just whack something in real time. There you go. Let's have those four four rides. Come on. Yeah. Rides on the kicks. Yep. Rides on the accented kicks. Yep, that's right. Uh, where's the ride? The goddamn ride. That, that, you just put the ride on, oh, right, on there. Right, okay. Oh my lord. And you're going to want some rim shots as well. Uh, okay, what do they sound like? You'll find out. Okay. Okay, well I reckon I reckon we pretty much got it. So tap stop now abruptly. Um how long is that acid jam you just created? That acid jam. Eight minutes. Perfect. Perfect to have in length. You take that down to the pressing <laughs> plant, you get it pressed up, boom, you got yourself a hit. Okay, okay, so that's how long it takes to master <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. the deep art of acid techno. So yeah, about twenty minutes I guess we spent. Yeah. Sick. Okay, time uh, not well spent, but time spent. <laughs> time spent. spent. We we've, we've we've moved towards our inevitable demises. And it's been relatively painless, so it I think was, that's a victory. It was quite squelchy. Mm. Uh, I, I quite like squelching about every mm. now and then. Fair enough. Yeah, would you ever do that again? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, like, I wouldn't say no that much, but, I, uh, but I'd rather do it with the real things. Well, good luck, mate, because yeah. you could you could use the boutique versions that Roland have released. If you're on the real versions, you're looking at thousands upon thousands of pounds. Uh, Never mind, eh? Or 20 quid a month with Roland Cloud. Boom. It's too much. I am, at the very least, Tim, overtired after all that stimulating content. Yeah, you seem a little bit cranky and like you need me to swaddle you up so that you can get some uh, sleepy sleepy bye-byes. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I think, I, think it's, I think it's time. Okay, wicked. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. It's been an emotional roller coaster, to put it mildly. I'm going to go cry into my pillow, but we'll, uh, we'll catch you again in two weeks' time. Yeah, um, I look forward to sucking the moisture out of your tear-filled pillow later, James. Um, and, uh, see, you in a, see you in a couple of weeks. Oh, oh, that, oh that's horrible. <laughs>